0: It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life news team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon and welcome to the broadcast. I'm Family Life news anchor Sarah Harnish. A winter storm is barreling toward the northeast. It hits us on Saturday afternoon. After hitting the snooze button, it's the first big snow in nearly two years for dozens of cities up the east coast.
1: Kind of excited because we haven't gotten any snow yet.
2: It hasn't snowed in uh, in a couple years, so we're definitely looking forward to it.
0: I want to buy a sled. 33 million people are under winter weather alerts from the south to New England. D.C. hasn't had snow in 718 days. Philadelphia, 705 days. New York City, 690 days with no snow.
3: We're totally geared up. I know a lot of people haven't seen snow in a long time.
0: Depending on where you live, you could see snow or sleet or ice or rain. Boston is expecting eight inches of snow. Some cities along the ocean could get a foot. Officials in Massachusetts could initiate a full call-out, meaning 3,000 pieces of equipment could be utilized.
4: Right now, we're expecting this to be a really pretty sizable statewide
0: event. Hardware stores in Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, New York, Pennsylvania seeing an uptick in business. This woman was holding a three-foot ice scraper. This is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) For the Family Life listening area, Kevin Williams calling for an inch or two in Erie. Four to six inches for the southern tier and as much as eight inches for Scranton, Pennsylvania. The snow belt's getting a breather. He'll have more detail coming up in a few minutes. Campus tragedy. There's deep sadness today in Perry, Iowa after a 17-year-old gunman killed a sixth grader and injured five others Thursday, including a principal who's credited with helping dozens of kids escape. The city held a vigil last night.
5: May this vigil be a beacon of light illumining the path toward healing and unity.
0: This teen was walking into the school as kids were running out.
2: Like, There's a bunch of kids that ran out and they're like, Yo, go back, go back, go back to your car. There's a guy with a a gun.
0: Police say teen Dylan Butler took his own life, but not before he killed a sixth grader and shot several others. Authorities say he had bigger plans.
5: Officers located... An improvised explosive device. Investigators say the shooter was armed with a
1: pump-action shotgun, a small-caliber handgun, and appeared to act alone.
3: It was
0: absolutely horrifying. It was the principal that stopped Butler in the school cafeteria and tried to talk him down while kids ran out the doors behind him. They say he likely saved dozens of lives. He was one of the people shot. His daughter issued a statement. This
2: morning, a post from the daughter of the principal, Dan Marburger, saying her dad was in surgery all day and is stable calling him quote a gentle giant and amazing person
0: among the survivors xander who is grazed by a bullet during the shooting but is doing well this is his aunt one of the worst moments of my entire life but the best phone call i got was saying that they were okay the town clinging to one another and honoring the first responders and the principal who save lives we are very strong we'll get through this we have each other. The community showing its best in the worst of times. Now to the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, up for a presidential visit today. Our own Greg Gillespie has a preview.
4: President Biden was originally scheduled to make an appearance at Valley Forge on Saturday using the historic backdrop to mark the third anniversary of what happened January 6th at the U.S. Capitol. But with the winter storm moving in, the White House moved the speech a day earlier and it takes place at a community college campus in a Philadelphia city suburb. Biden is expected to say re-electing Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. The president likes to use historic sites as a backdrop for many of his policy statements. Donald Trump, meanwhile, is campaigning in Iowa. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. Let's
0: talk a little more about Iowa. Just 10 days to go until the Iowa caucuses, the candidates fanning out across the Hawkeye State, delivering their messages to voters. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis began his campaign as a top contender to beat former President Donald Trump in the Republican primary, but now he's locked in second place with Nikki Haley, and a confident Trump is dozens of points ahead. We
1: are only weeks away from making history and winning Iowa's first-in-the-nation caucus.
0: Trump predicting an overwhelming victory in Iowa as his rivals challenge each other, DeSantis says Trump's lead does not concern
1: him. Trump has always been leading in the race. I mean, he's the former president. He's uh, one of the most famous but you're not people even in the there. Top challenger So to we're, him now. we are the top. I'm the only one that has a chance to beat Trump and win the general election. Nikki Haley can't get conservative voters.
0: Meanwhile, President Biden has shifted into election mode. He released his first campaign video overnight. He'll focus on the January 6th insurrection as he campaigns against Donald Trump.
1: There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy.
0: Trump makes his first Iowa trip of the election year tonight, holding a rally in Mason City. The countdown is on. And call it the sound of the season. Are you suffering from a nagging cough that just won't go away? It's called kennel cough, and it's a byproduct of COVID, the flu, and RSV season. There have even been whooping cough outbreaks in a handful of states. Dr. Tara Nerullo is a cardiologist at Lenox View Hospital.
1: Just normal for this time of year, or are we coughing more than we usually do?
0: I think we might be coughing more than usual. We have a lot going on right now. This is the second year in a row where we have circulation of COVID, RSV and flu all at the same time. So your chances of getting sick with something are high and your chances of getting something back to back where you get one and you get another. Nerulu says some of it is still the after effects of COVID-19. We also think there may still be a little bit of an immunity debt, right? We mm. were all masked, socially distant for years. Our immune systems are down. So we're not used to dealing with some of these infections. Some of those coughs lasting weeks and Better late than never, a letter mailed in 1943 finally was just delivered to a family 80 years later. That letter addressed to DeKalb residents Louise and Lavena George resurfaced recently at the post office, and a worker decided to try to track down family members. It was shipped along to the state of Oregon. As I get
2: older, I appreciate more and more the extended family, especially my nieces and nephews. I just have more of a sense of continuity of life, of family.
0: 80 years is never too late to be mailed. The post office employee who tracked down the family said the letter likely remained undelivered because the mailing address had a street name but no house number. Still to come on the noon report, we know why tolls are going up in Pennsylvania, time off for pregnancy, and kids sounding off on financial literacy. Those stories after weather with Kevin Williams.
3: Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. Well, don't look now, but we've got a wintry weekend coming up across the area. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10 minutes.
0: Sure do. Thank you, Kevin. Checking the stories, making news where you live across New York and Pennsylvania. Let's talk a little more about that storm. Towns across eastern PA and central New York are bracing for a decent storm. For most of us, it's going to be a breeze, an inch of snow or some freezing rain. But if you're in eastern Pennsylvania or central New York, there could be as much as eight inches of snow. News anchors in Scranton, PA, say for them, it has been a good while since the last storm. Nearly two years since the Scranton area saw a storm like this one, so it's not going to be the biggest one we've ever seen, but because it has been so long, that is likely why so many of us are talking about it.
5: It's just funny it's been so long since we've had to deal with this. So,
0: March 12th 2022, we got seven inches in our backyard, so about two years. That's
4: crazy. Wow, that all is right. just,
0: yeah, nuts. Yep. Pendant says they've been getting ready for a storm like this, not just this week, but all season. Training for them starts
3: in the fall. All of our trucks ready to go, all of our materials prepared, and our operators trained. And all of that has been happening over the last several weeks. Uh, we do do Snow Academy for all of our operators uh, at the tail end of the summer so that they're ready for every event. And all of them are very seasoned operators.
0: Here's what Kevin Williams is calling for. Four to six inches for the southern tier. Six or as much as eight inches in parts of far eastern Pennsylvania. Tolls on the PA Turnpike are about to go up once again. Family Life's Brian Query says the reason for the hike is all those people who don't pay their tolls.
5: According to the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission, $170 million in tolls has gone unpaid in 2023. The price of tolls on the PA Turnpike increases every single year to pay for the debt. And another increase is on the horizon, as a 5% increase will take effect on January 7th for both EasyPass and pay-by-plate drivers. That increase will continue to fund Act 44 of 2007, which required the Turnpike to pay PennDOT hundreds of millions of dollars to fund roadways across the state. The commission also saw a $15 million increase in unpaid toll-by-plate costs during the past two years. Brian query Family Life News.
0: Today, you might be saying, thank goodness it's Friday, but that's not the sentiment for customers and employees at many TGI Friday's restaurants. Friday's closing 36 stores across upstate New York. A thousand people will be without jobs. They say the stores are underperforming. Consumer protection, one of the topics in Kathy Hochul's State of the State speech next week. We did not fight for better wages, better jobs, higher pay, to just watch unscrupulous companies make a buck. Democrat Kevin Thomas leads the Senate Committee, which regulates consumer fraud. He supports the governor's efforts to protect the public from unfair business practices. They
1: are um, targeting uh, these consumers with uh, different fees, and we just want to make sure that there is uh, a balance.
0: Republican lawmakers say responsible businesses need to be able to make a profit, though, in New York State. New York Governor Kathy Hochul also pushing for paid medical leave during pregnancy. Family Life's Mark Webster has this story.
5: Yeah, pregnant women in New York would have 40 hours of paid leave to attend prenatal medical appointments under a new proposal from Governor Hochul. The Democrat says New York has an infant mortality rate of three percent, which is higher than just about every developed country in the world. Currently, the state's paid family medical leave policy only applies after the baby is born. If approved, New York would be the first in the nation to establish statewide coverage while a woman is still pregnant. Mark Webster, Family Life News. And
0: kids in high school in Pennsylvania and their parents are reacting to new requirements that financial literacy be taught in every school in the state. I think every kid growing up should have some kind of experience with finances. Knowing about your credit
1: score, what affects it, hard inquiries. Uh, I didn't know what a hard inquiries till I was 30 years old.
0: The class is launching in 2026. It's time next for a check of sports
1: with our man in the know, Randy Snavely. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Sarah Tage Thompson had a pair of goals and an assist. Jeff Skinner lit the lamp and handed out three helpers, and they helped the Sabres beat the Canadiens 6-1. Buffalo rookie Devin Levi made 32 saves in his first game at hometown Bell Center. With 99 family members and friends in attendance, Levi said he had dreamt of this moment since he was five years old. In New York, the Rangers handed the Blackhawks their fourth straight loss, four to one. Artemy Panarin, Chris Kreider, Jacob Truba, and Jimmy Vesey all scored to send the garden crowd home happy. Bo Harvitt lit the lamp twice to lead the Islanders past the Coyotes in Arizona. Julian Gauthier, Anders Lee, and Mike Riley also found the back of the net in New York's five to one victory. In Boston, the Bruins and the Penguins had a real barn burner, it was the Pens who came out on top, six to five. Drew O'Connor, Ryan Graves, Jake Gunzo, and Lars Eller all scored for Pittsburgh in the first period. Jeff Carter lit the lamp in the second, and Sidney Crosby buried the game winner on the power play in the third. The Flyers went to a shootout against Columbus and it was the Blue Jackets' Johnny Gaudreau who scored the only goal in the shootout. Travis Konechny scored both of Philadelphia's goals. Other winners on the ice were the Blues, Flames, Avs, Lightning, Panthers, Kraken, Red Wings, and Jets. Only two games played in the NBA last night, but both games were close. The Bucks beat the Spurs 125-121, to and it was a fantastic finish in California. Denver's Nikolai Jokic knocked down an almost half-court bank shot at the buzzer to give the Nuggets a 130-127 win over a stunned Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. That is a look at sports
5: on a Breakpoint, point, a daily look and an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Street. Well, 231 years ago this month, King Louis XVI of France lost his head. His execution by guillotine was a precursor of the reign of terror, a 10-month period from 1793 to 1794 in which French revolutionaries executed nearly 17,000 Of their countrymen. The French Revolution, one of history's most profound examples of the power of ideas, erupted out of the Enlightenment. In the mid 18th century, philosophers such as Voltaire and Diderot effectively argued that human reason and scientific inquiry, rather than religion, were the true path to progress and to greater freedom. In particular, Diderot's hostility to Christianity also spilled over into his views of the nobility. After all, if there were no God, then King Louis could not have been divinely appointed, and if the King had no sacred claim on power, he had no right then to live in an outrageous luxury palace in Versailles while the French people were living in famine. As is typical in historical epics like this, some took these ideas further than others. In 1789, just a few days before a mob stormed the Bastille prison in Paris, one of its longtime prisoners was transferred to a mental asylum. In his cell, he left a manuscript that would eventually be published under the title 120 Days of Sodom. The author was the infamous Marquis de Sade. Desaad thought his novel to be, and I quote, the most impure tale ever written. It depicted graphic scenes of sexual violence, torture, and murder. It was also, to the utter horror of Desaad's contemporaries and modern historians, semi-autobiographical. Desaad spent most of his life in prison or mental asylums because of his crimes, particularly against vulnerable women. More than just an awful story, his book was a philosophical proposal. While Enlightenment philosophers like Voltaire and Diderot denied the existence of God, they still defended many virtues that were distinctly Christian, including the goodness of self-sacrifice and the dignity of the poor. Desaad, on the other hand, did not share these philosophical inconsistencies. According to author and pastor Andrew Wilson in his recent book Remaking the World, how 1776 created the post-Christian West, Desaad simply had no time for Christian morality. Quote, de Sade thought we should admit that there's no natural basis whatsoever for loving other people, forgiving them, or showing compassion. The doctrine of loving one's neighbor is a fantasy we owe to Christianity and not to nature, he explained. And virtue, likewise, is just a way of behaving that varies according to climate and consequently has nothing real about it. End quote. Though even the most radical sexual revolutionaries today would hesitate to claim the Marquis de Sade as their intellectual forefather, they kind of must. Before Darwin, he embraced a world in which the strongest survive and the most brutal thrive. Before the sexual revolution, he explored sex as only a means of pleasure, with no regard for the dignity of people or their bodies. His open hatred for Christianity—he once called Jesus a scoundrel, a lecher, a showman who performed crude tricks—anticipated an argument still common today that Christianity is not only anti-intellectual and anti-rational, but also evil. For the Marquis de Sade, freedom was pure license, without the constraints or the consequences of morality or even biology. This is only thinkable in a world without God, and therefore a world without design or moral order. Those who continue today to argue for such a world have no cause nor means to denounce the bad behavior of men like the Marquis de Sade. In the real world, the freedom to be fully human is grounded in the way that God made us. Thus, true freedom is hemmed in always by virtue. Among the many benefits of this worldview is the ability to fiercely repudiate the kind of degeneracy of the Marquis de Sade and to do so from sound philosophical ground for the Colson Center. I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint.
0: This is the noon report on family life. I'm your host Sarah Harnish. A big winter storm on the way for eastern Pennsylvania and central New York and a bit for the rest of us. Kevin Williams breaks it down for us.
3: We're watching a storm system in the Texas panhandle. Bringing snow to Oklahoma and Arkansas is going to bring our region snow this weekend. The heaviest snows in our region will be across parts of northeast Pennsylvania into the eastern-southern tier of New York. Our call for this afternoon, though, is for generally just clouds and some limited sunshine. High temperatures in the 30s. Tonight, clouds will win out, low temps 20s. Cloudy tomorrow, snow will arrive in the afternoon in Pennsylvania and then spread north into New York State at night.
0: Thank you, Kevin. The Friday Capital Connection crew has this week off, which gives us an opportunity to share with you a special family life interview, a sit down with best selling author Max Lucato. He talks about spiritual strength and encouragement available to people who feel like throwing in the towel because of stress or life's troubles. Let's listen in.
4: As you and I and everybody listening knows, this is such a hard time to live. We've been through such a challenging time with COVID and separation and economic stress. We've gotten to a place where Republicans and Democrats can't even talk to each other anymore. The culture is so hard, it would be very easy if we look just at the things that are around us and obvious and apparent, or base our opinion on Christianity or faith or self-help or whatever on just what we can see and just what our experience has. Talk with us about how God enters those really hard crisis times for individual lives and for cultures.
2: We stand on the promises of God in tough times like this. The promises of God are solid gold. And those promises, he is a promise maker and he is a promise keeper. So he made promises to Jacob. Early in the life of Jacob, he pledged to always be with him and to return him back to the land. And through his descendants, he would bless the earth. He kept those promises. He was always with Jacob. He helped him get back to Bethel. And yes, through his descendants, through his wife Leah, his son Judah, through that bloodline came David, came Jesus, came the authors of Scripture, came the birth of the church. And so he kept all of those promises. And so I encourage people, even if you don't know what God is doing lay claim to a few promises and just hold on to them hold on to them like a barnacle holds on to a boat god said all things work together for good for those who love god and are called according to his purpose that's a promise jesus said i will come back and get you so i can take you to be where i am that is a promise that is a for sure promise and so rather than listen to the problems of the world, turn your attention to the promises of God, engrave them on your heart, let them be a part of your life, write them on a sticky note, put them on the bathroom mirror, focus less on all of these problems, focus more on the promises of God, because these promises are what we need to get us through this very, very challenging age in which we live.
4: I have read and led Bible studies based on your books and videos, and this new one is called God Never Gives Up on You. What motivated you that that is a subject that people really need to hear these days?
2: Well, I'm fascinated by the main character of the book. It's a, a book about Jacob, the Old Testament patriarch, the grandson of, uh, of Abraham, And he's that person in scripture that we don't quite know what to do with because he seemed to stumble and fumble more than he stood and pressed forward. He struggled to, he he was always manipulating things or taking a difficult situation and making it even worse. And yet the title of the book is really the message of Jacob's life. God never gave up on him. God always, when God often would introduce himself, he would even use the word, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even though Jacob was a bit of a scoundrel, God never gave up on him. So the story of Jacob to me is 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 the story of every person, just every person. There are heroes. There are people like Moses and Joseph who deserve a place on the Mount Rushmore of faith. But then there are people like Jacob who I see in the mirror, who I bowl with or golf with or play bridge with, just guys and gals who struggle to make sense of life, to make progress in faith. And yet those are the people who need to know that God never gives up on us.
4: As you use him as a metaphor for all of us, what was it that you found in your renewed study of the biblical character Jacob it's always tough to be the second and third generation of a superstar. Things were different in his culture than the proverbial good old days. What is it about his life that makes him such an interesting character to you and to the rest of us?
2: Well, and that's a great, that's a phenomenal question, because there is something about Jacob that really stands out. He seemed very impatient with God's will. You know, he's just for a refresher course on Jacob. He is one of two children born to the son of Abraham, Isaac. So he's Abraham's grandson. And, Ab- and and Jacob had a brother named Esau. Esau was the oldest just by a split second. They were twins. That was a big deal. You alluded earlier to the ancient customs. Being first born in the ancient world of 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 Abraham and his descendants, that was huge. It meant you had preeminence in the clan, you inherited more than your siblings. And Jacob liked that idea. And I think Rebecca liked that idea. But rather than wait on God to make it happen, they created that elaborate story of uh Esau selling his birthright. It's just the most wacko and weird story. But it's just the start of many such stories in the life of Jacob, in which it just seemed like he couldn't wait for God to do it. He had to manipulate. He had to adjust. He had to find a shortcut. And that's the challenge, because we tend to do the same. You know, it's hard for us to wait on God. Uh, He is so slow. (laughs) He doesn't work as fast as we need him to. But anytime we need We start adjusting things, whether by manipulation or deception. We're stepping out of God's will. And Jacob paid a price for doing so. And he had many bad things happen to him that did not have to happen. But because he had tried to take matters into his own hands rather than trust God, uh, he endured the consequences. God was ever faithful to him, even when he was not faithful to God.
4: A very special guest with us on Family Life today, Max Lucado. He is an author, a speaker, a radio commentator. And Max, what else about Abraham's grandson Jacob gives us in our time the strength and encouragement to never give up?
2: The end of Jacob's life is uh, punctuated by the saddest part of Jacob's life, a time in which he camps out near a city of Shechem. His daughter is raped, is terrible. He doesn't defend his daughter. He doesn't attack her, go after the men who raped her. He's passive. He's not involved. The brothers of the daughter attack the village. It's a bloodbath. I mean, it's a story that you never study in in Sunday school, just because it's so atrocious. And you think, Jacob, where are you? Is there any redeeming truth in this story? Finally, Jacob packs up Moves the family to Bethel, where he's supposed to be all along, and there he encounters God yet again. God will allow us to feel the consequences of our bad mistakes, but he never abandons us entirely. Never, ever, ever. I would have given up on Jacob. I so would have given up on Jacob, but God never did. And I'm thinking there might be someone who's listening who thinks that God should give up on me. You know, I've fumbled again, I've cheated again, or I've lied again, or I've fallen again. God, I wouldn't blame God if He gave up on me, a person might be thinking. The truth is, God won't. He won't. He'll keep coming, He'll keep sending messages. He'll keep reaching out. So reach out to him in response, because that's that's the message of Jacob. And that's really the message that people need to hear today. So many people are close to giving up, Greg. They're so close to throwing in the towel. You know, I hate to, to bring up this somber statistic, but the suicide rate is the highest it's been since World War II. Uh, we live in a world full of division, anger, bitterness, polarization, it's it's just a hard day for many people. And what they desperate what every person desperately needs is the proper understanding of God. God not only is, but God cares. It's one thing to say there is a God, but it's something else to say there is a caring God. And we have a caring God. We do. He showed us that in the person of Jesus Christ. But he also showed us that long before Jesus came in the story of Jacob. And so a please, if you're close to giving up, please don't. God hasn't given up on you. So please don't give up on yourself
4: max Lucato, a preacher a best-selling author an amazing storyteller producer of bible studies and his latest book is called god never gives up on you the story of the bible's jacob about what his story can teach us about grace mercy and god's relentless love max Lucato, thank you for joining us today on family life
2: oh thank you so much i hope we get to do it again
0: You can go to our news podcast page to hear this full interview plus Greg Gillespie's previous conversation with Lucato. Check it out at familylife.org slash news Let's get one more check of weather and that storm on the way with our in-house meteorologist Kevin Williams.
3: Good afternoon. Here's your family life weather forecast. Generally just clouds and some limited sunshine. High temperatures in the 30s. Tonight, Clouds will win out, low temps 20s. Cloudy tomorrow, snow will arrive in the afternoon in Pennsylvania and then spread north into New York State at night. High temperatures tomorrow in the 30s. That snow tomorrow night will then gradually taper Sunday. Accumulations will range widely across the area from barely an inch in Niagara to close to a foot in the northern Poconos. High temperatures on Sunday in the 30s.
0: All right. Thank you, Kevin. Finally, at noon, the dog eating your homework is one thing, the dog eating your money. Now that's another. A Pittsburgh couple with a hundred pound golden doodle named Cecil recently brought home $4,000 in cash. It was to pay some contractors who requested they get paid that way. All was fine with the plan until Cecil decided to add some greenery to his diet.
4: I walk back into the room and then all this cash is just strewn on the ground. He's just standing there. And I'm like, he ate some of this money.
0: That led to a comically messy situation, including piecing together chewed-up pieces. We had
2: to have, like, the majority of the serial number on both sides, and the bank said if we taped it, that would help, so I'm... Bringing everything in in a plastic bag, and like I think I brought gloves for them. It
0: brings new meaning to the term money laundering. When the washing was done, the couple recovered all but $500. They plan to mail the remaining pieces to the U.S. Treasury Department in the hopes of recovering more, but the story they can now tell about Cecil, the money-grubbing golden doodle, is priceless. And that is The World That We Live In for Friday, the 5th of January. I'm Sarah Harnish, and this is Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.